Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'd like to welcome you to the summer series of Popcorn and Compliance. Yes, Tom and Jay Rosen are back to look at the season three of The Mandalorian. All the things you would expect from Tom and Jay in a Popcorn and Compliance episode are with us in this series. Each episode, we'll look at the storyline. Tom and Jay will discuss some of the highlights for them. I know you'll enjoy this special season of Popcorn and Compliance, The Mandalorian. If you're a fan of Star Wars or The Mandalorian, Jay and I would love to hear from you on your thoughts on this special podcast series. This fifth episode, we take up The Pirate. I hope if you enjoy this podcast, you will subscribe, rate, and review wherever great podcasts are listened to. As this episode begins, Grand Shard has invaded Navarro in retaliation for Bane's expulsion. Grief Karga contacts Carson Teva for help from the New Republic, suspecting the attack is a prelude to a new rise of the Empire. Teva informs Colonel Tuttle, but when Tuttle shows indifference, he tracks down the Mandalorian covert and asks Din Darjin for help. Darjin convinces the covert to come to Karga's aid despite their prior confrontations with him, and Bo-Katan assumes command of the attack force. As the Mandalorians overcome the invasion, Vane flees and Shard is killed, and the remaining pirates are detained. The Mandalorians are welcomed back by Karga and the people and move into their old enclave. The armorer meets with Bo-Katan, acknowledging the Mythosaur's reappearance as an omen that Bo-Katan is the one who can reunite all Mandalorians and bids her remove her helmet to symbolize this new position. On the way back to Adelphia, Teva encounters the wreckage of Moff Gideon's prison transport, which has gone missing during the transit, and finds a fragment of Beskar alloy inside. Jay, what were your initial thoughts on the this episode, The Pirate? We're winding into the home stretch now, four more episodes left. So I was thinking, how are we going to tie all this together? And what more than, what better than having some people fighting and having a battle and talking about a myth? So I think we are starting to put a tidy button on what's happening here in season three for The Mandalorian. So I was excited to see the action turn that it take that it took. What about you, Tom? I certainly took a, a, an action turn. This one was a kind of a rocking and rolling episode. We had some great battle scenes. We had the pirates, Navarro, and the Navarro asked the New Republic for help and they don't get it. So they have to ask the Mandalorians and they come and save them. So we see Bo-Katan once again as a leader or the commander of the attack force. We have some great space battle scenes. We have some great on the planet battle scenes. And we have the reappearance of the myth- Mythosaur. 
the mythosaur, yes, the mythosaur, and that the reappearance, I guess we saw that at the last episode, but the armor meets with Bo-Katan and acknowledges the significance of that reappearance. So that was pretty cool. And I guess the the thing that foreshadows where we're going is we turn, it's no one's surprise, it turns out Moth Gideon, the baddie in this series, so the head baddie, is not in his, or his transport has crashed and his body is not found. So that's a pretty good sign that we're going to see him again. We also, it was interesting that the whole scenes early, certainly in the first third of this episode where they appeal to the New Republic and the New Republic really has no interest in protecting the planets on the Outer Rim and they don't view planetary security as either very important because they haven't provided the resources to do it or they just don't care. You know, under the Empire, we had order. We didn't have chaos. And I think that's, maybe not in this series, does that really become a big issue, but it may, leading to the First Empire, one of the reasons it's able to rise so quickly against what we call in this series the New Republic. So, I thought that part was interesting. Bo-Katan really showed, I think, more leadership chops as we had expected, given what her role has been so far. That was pretty cool. And like I said, the foreshadowing of Goff, uh, Moff Gideon. As, Can we talk about jetpacks for a second? Sure. In the 60s, you had stuff like that. And then you had, in the 80s, a movie called The Rocketeer from Disney. and. I think you could go really wrong with jetpacks, but they're so damn cool. And it's like, wouldn't you like want to fight on a ship or a TIE fighter and then you like zoom right in? And once again, John Favreau has got to be the kid in the candy store because to have all this cool stuff to play with. So I was just thinking that we are so lucky that we got somebody like that who can marshal the creative forces together to create something like the jetpack and make it look not cheesy. And I think some of that's green screen and the current technology that's out there. But this is the right time to be making this movie. It might, or this series, it might have reflection back to the 60s and the 70s on one of the prior podcasts when I was talking about you know, Planet of the Apes and stuff. But every time I re rewatch these things, I'm just in awe of the care that they've taken to put this together and that it always works. Well, the jetpack has been a consistent part of the Mandalorian, Jay, since the original trilogy series. So that's been something that all Mandalorians, or at least the bounty hunter Mandalorians, have utilized. And we had some, in earlier episodes in this season three, some great chase scene when the boys kidnapped, and then the battle scene where Din Jardin shows up and blows up whatever that creature was, a lizard or a something that attacked their base camp. And even in that scene, they immediately took to the air. So it's clearly a part of their culture, but more importantly, it's a part of their fighting style. And they can do that where others obviously can't, at least we don't know of others who can. There may be others who can, as we find out later in this series. But yeah, the jetpack is cool. Great call out on James Bond, uh, Bill Lee and the Rocketeer. I'd forgotten Jennifer Connelly was his love interest in that. 
I saw her recently on this Twitter feeds or the site formerly known as Twitter. So I thought the Rocketeer was way ahead of its time. Sorry it didn't make a bigger splash. But yeah, having a jetpack is very cool. But you're right, it could go very wrong. And is this the episode with Tim Meadows playing the government functionary? Yes. How does Tim Meadows find his way into the Star Wars universe? Everyone in Hollywood is separated by what? One degree of separation? Something I like that. I loved it because there was a droid who like just messed with him and gave him the big middle finger. He's like, I'm organizing all my stuff and I can't have the there anything there. And then the droid just like throws the stuff down and makes a beeline. It's got no respect, especially no respect from the droids. When you get no respect from the droid, you're in, you're moving towards Rodney Dangerfield here. Here's another thing I noticed. Whenever Din Darjan talks to whatever that droid, he's like, good job, buddy. Way to go, buddy. And it's I don't really think the droids had that kind of feeling. But I guess if you want a droid to do really well, say, good job, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that was a little interesting as well. And you have to wonder what the real relationship between many of these people and their droids are. although. Nothing closer than R2-D2 and C-3PO with Luke. So. That's no surprise. Mythosaur, is that only come up in this part of The Mandalorian, or have they re referred to the Mythosaur before? We hadn't heard or seen of the Mythosaur, as I recall, before Season 3. Okay. So we saw it at least in Season, excuse me, Episode 2, and then in episode three, I believe, as well. And it is clearly a part of the lore of the Mandalorian, but even more than simply the lore, Jay, we have, it's a creature that signifies royal leadership in the Mandalorian on planet Mandalore. So pretty important fable or omen would be the right word, origin story. Somebody must have defeated the dragon at some point, the mythosaur. Again, just I know we dropped this in the first few series that, again, I'm just really wondering if there are any, like, scripts out there from when Gina Carano was in this. Because basically, Bo-Katan is really, like, right up there. She's probably more the star than the Mandalorian. So I'd love to have seen how this arc of eight episodes was affected and whether they just substituted one for one or if they had to really completely train, change the backstory to bring in Bo-Katan. And now that we're in season three, Jay, my sense would be that she had been gone so long, she wouldn't have been a part of even the early drafts for season three. So maybe she was. If she had been a part of this, it would have been very different because I think as you correctly note, Bo-Katan is really a key star here, and I don't think Gina could have provided the Mandalorian with the backstory of what he had to do to become redeemed and then how his people could be redeemed. I don't think Gina Carano could have done that. I think it had to be a Mandalore do that as she is doing so far in this season. So what were your, maybe any screenwriting insights or at least the things that, that tickled your fancy from the screenwriter's perspective in this episode, Jay? I think that there's some just things that they had to lay out there, some breadcrumbs to pick up in the next three episodes. And that was 
where they found the Beskar alloy that was inside of the transport with Moth Gideon. So I had pretty much up until this point, I'd forgotten about him. And I guess there was a point where he was talking with the woman who set up the guy to lose his memory. I think that even when they go off on an episode and they take their little jaunt, there's still somebody who's paying attention to, we've got to move this train along. We've got to get to the end. So even something as small as just like a little thing of alloy is not too small to matter in the Star Wars and Mandalorian universe. Jay, I think that'd be a good place for us to end this episode. I hope our listeners will join us again for our next episode, which is entitled Guns for Hire. Until that time, I'm Tom Fox. And I'm Jay Rosen. Thanks for joining us. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Popcorn and Compliance, where in this special season, we're looking at The Mandalorian Season 3. Popcorn and Compliance is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever great podcasts are listened to. If Jay and I would love to hear from you, if you have any comments, questions, or information you would like to share with us about your feelings, views on The Mandalorian Season 3. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that you will Join us again for our next episode of Popcorn and Compliance, The Mandalorian Season 3. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.